Another exciting installment of the Fifth Column Podcast. This is your weekly rhetorical assault on the new cycle of people that make it and occasionally ourselves. I'm Camille Foster. I'm delighted to be here with you. I am broadcasting from San Francisco. I'm joined by Matt Welch and Matt Moynihan. and we're over in New York. Gentlemen, it is great to see you this Valentine's Day week. Yeah. Um, I hope yeah, you great. both got everything that you hoped for. I was thinking about both of you, my my funny, funny Valentines. Yeah. Uh, it's good to be with you. You look handsome. I had a great Valentine's Day because I just went. I went into my bedroom where mm. I keep all my cash, <laughs> and I had it, <laughs> had it in a um, a big sack in your uh, yeah. yeah. My my yeah. my daddy always told me to keep a lot of money in a sack mm. in my, my mattress in case for Valentine's Day. <laughs> That's and then good. if I don't have any do have receipts, yeah, 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 I don't have any receipts you don't for my keep Valentine's Day Hunter meal. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, no okay. I just have I just have a lot of sacks of money. Yeah, that's <laughs> what so we do. That's what Daddy always told me to do. My Daddy would be disappointed because I don't have as many sacks as he has. <laughs> Every time you say Daddy, <laughs> it just it makes my heart smile. My <laughs> Papa. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. All Fanny. right. Good. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's what I'm, I keep thinking about. Fannie Willis, Stacey Abrams. I will say the very worst part of their scandals is that I now. I'm forced to constantly think of them as sexual beings, or maybe that's all I was doing forced? before, anyways. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just can't help it. Stacey maybe Abrams I, too, because she wrote books yeah. about jerking guys off and stuff. <laughs> I'm sorry, what is it called? Camille, what is it called? I'm, I'm, How I'm, Fanny got her groove back. Camille, I'm confused. <laughs> what do Stacey Abrams and Fanny Willis have in common? They're from Georgia. Um, they're both from Georgia. Okay. Yeah, yeah. and and, and they, they both love sex. Yeah, and they're they're both very very publicly associated with sex and sexuality yeah. now. What's yeah. what's her her uh, pen name again? Oh my gosh, mm, I have yeah. to look it up. Luscious something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. But remember. she doesn't she doesn't use her pen name anymore, does she? No. Why would she? And she's famous now for losing. When Selena, you're a famous loser, Selena you can... Montgomery. See, if mm. you had to make a decision, you're going to sleep with Selena Montgomery or Stacey Abrams. I'm Stacey Neither. Abrams. Is a little sexier. It's a sexier name. It's <laughs> no. a sexier name. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, don't Selena, know. I don't know. Selena's got a Selena's because it, it reminds me. reminds me of dead, <laughs> dead Tejano superstar yeah. Selena. She yeah. was shot. Uh, before she my was favorite thing about murdered. that is that she was shot. <laughs> Sorry, this is not, it's not my favorite thing. It's not funny at all. <laughs> yeah. But she was, sh- I, I love when they frame it that way. It's like she was shot by the president of her fan club. It's like, I'm not so sure she was a fan. <laughs> if you're the, fan, the head of the fan club and you kill the person, it just doesn't seem right to me. Wasn't Mark David Chapman a fan? Uh, yeah. Yeah, big fan. Big fan. Of Paul. <laughs> yeah. that, that's why he took the sack full of Paul's money. Yeah. Yeah, it's a real drag man. Um, just, yeah, Fanny Willis. Just couldn't mock him. I couldn't. Um, Matt said he watched it for two seconds and then turned it off. Um, I'm sure, I don't know if you watched since then, but when you told me that via text, I went uh, directly to the live stream and rewound it and thought that I just happened to hit on the perfect bit. But I then realized that the entire thing was the like entire that. thing. It was literally the most insane thing, and it reminds—I can't even say this. It's actually going to get me in trouble. But go ahead. Did what, you- what? 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 No, what did I it remind can't. you of? <laughs> Sounds good. You know, we should always record in the morning. So this is uh, what I'm saying. Like, if we get Moynihan like caffeinated, 
I'm, I'm, I've <laughs> had people, a half a cup of coffee. You people should have heard the 30 seconds before we started. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Um, that was, that would have, yes. That would, that, not even, <laughs> that would no have tears. Yes. yes. No, there's no tears. <laughs> yeah. There'd be a lot, there'd be a lot of tears from my family <laughs> that you can no longer pay for anything. Man, not because you sex. had to do that impression at sex. eight in the morning or whatever. Sex full of cash. Uh, no, uh, I just, you know, I watched it for five minutes and I became so chagrined because. Um, some people, including people I respect, um, and, or at least are friends with, um, were reacting to her testimony by slay queen. Like she's killing Who? it. Can you, I can't know. say I'm, I'm nice to my friends, but like, uh, there's, but there is a contingent of people who like, you know, yes, she righteously like pushed that back in the face of the, that's not what you're supposed to do. I mean, as I mean, the, the I mean, you're she's, not she's allowed a lawyer. to, she knows what she's supposed to do there. Moynihan. Yeah, what, who is the one on the view? <laughs> That Tracy Morgan used to always do the impression. She's like, I'm a lawyer. Who is that woman? <laughs> Star Jones? Was that her name? Star Jones. Um, Wait, is Star Jones a lawyer? Is that well, that's, true? that was the old um, uh, joke from from Tracy Morgan when they do an impre- they do the View on SNL. It would cut to her and shows like, "Well, I'm a lawyer." <laughs> Tracy, Tracy I did, Morgan. I had like no it. idea. I thought yeah, she was some yeah. sort of comedian. I think like, that was her name, person. Star Jones. Yeah, yeah. They, I don't know. Was, what any you're of those. correct. Star Jones is an attorney. Former New York oh. City homicide prosecutor. The, uh, 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 Who wow. knew? The, the I had best no idea. was, um, <laughs> and we'll get back to Fanny Willis, but um, uh-huh. it's incredible because the word Fanny in England means mm. vagina. Oh, we yeah. know. know that, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, we know. So anyway, um, <laughs> there. I saw Fanny. a clip of um, the View mm-hmm. of the woman who I can't tell who she is or what she does. Her name is Sunny. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Sunny Hostin or something. Yeah. Hostin, and she also a lawyer. Talking, she, oh, is she? Oh, <laughs> you have know. to watch her. I'm not going to say any more than this because unless we play the clip, it doesn't make sense. But yeah. I advise people to go watch her um, trying to interrogate uh, John Fetterman about Israel. And it is oh, no. very funny. I mean, it's not intentionally funny, but she has literally no idea what she's talking about. But she's very, very angry. She's righteously angry. Um, but anyway, uh, Fanny Willis, I watched a minute of... And then I watched a few more minutes after, and then I went back and watched most of it um, because I just kept, I kept on coming back. It was like, I need to know what happens. But that attitude, like I was an, on a jury, I mentioned on the show, and it was like a local small thing, hit and run thing. And any time a witness, including the woman that was hit by the car, who I had an enormous amount of sympathy for, she's a very nice woman, and she would, if she didn't answer the question directly, the entire court came down on her within two seconds. She'd be like, well, a long time ago, it's like, answer the question, man. Like everyone just, and this woman was allowed to just say whatever she wanted. Over and over. And yes. over and over yes. and over again. Yes. The judge did, not, did you meet him in the hotel room? Well. Yeah. Now what is a hotel room? Yeah. It's like, what? The place you were jerking guys off. Like the, the place you were bobirding. <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah. I think bobarding, in fairness, that requires you to be in public committing the. Oh, it's, it's true. It's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it with does, class and dignity. Yes. Yeah. And then losing um, by what thirty points or something? <laughs> no, she, who's the one who's? Does it, wasn't she, she lost down, to like five other people in the straw No, no, but she, she like, uh, yeah, in the, the her new district, right? She's mm-hmm. like, she's not going to do well. She's not going to do well. Right? Um, I think there's yeah. a couple of takeaways from this. One is that. Um, 
just America is is not sending their best no. anywhere <laughs> in any part of no. anything right now. That's the one who's, who's tasked with prosecuting Donald Trump. I mean, the Trump yeah. legal team, uh, the that hot chick lawyer who you know lost the eighty three million dollars. Um, uh, yeah. like uh, it's just if these she's, are the people bad who are on that. the she's still bad on though. the front. She is. Yeah. <laughs> she's still bad yeah. uh, on the front lines of like important questions. We are so so terribly fucked and the other thing um <laughs> yeah. is that and i i read uh, somebody admittedly who's like you know in um uh, who's still uh loading up those tiny little toy cannons uh, yeah. looking for the the tick tick boom <laughs> that's going to finally get trump this time was saying that um that he thought uh she did what was necessary to defeat the uh trump team's uh attempt to get the case disqualified like it's going to go on further despite the fact that she made a clown out of herself was his uh, take. If that is true. That can't be true. I, I, it's hard to believe. It's hard to watch even 30 <laughs> seconds of you that. watch that and be like, nicely done? <laughs> um, it wasn't nicely done. It was just like, Jesus. it was more that there was a high bar for that motion to carry. Yeah. Um, but uh, if this goes through, um, this was the one trial that when you poll all of uh, Trump's trials, uh, it is the trials, the, the federal criminal trials that have to do, or the uh, state tr criminal trial in this case, that have to do with January 6th was where he was the most vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And so now you have just planted an indelible image yes. of the people who are prosecuting this case being not just corrupt or corruptish. You know, I love wins. I'm, I'm not sure how bent out of shape I am about whatever uh, relationships are are there, but that just kind of transparently – um, incompetent and yes, uh, correct and in like kind of tawdry. So that's the thing is that is that it must it must be so frustrating. It's great for people at MSNBC and for programming, but it must be very frustrating just being a Democrat in this situation. That every thing that comes across the transom, you have to defend the, the all these things that you otherwise in a normal world in a normal country in a normal political system you wouldn't have to defend. So for instance the documents case for Joe Biden, you have to be like, oh, it was really unfair of um, the special prosecutor to point out mm -hmm. that the president doesn't know where he is. That <laughs> is the conversation we're having about not the documents. And then the case in Georgia, it's like, yeah, okay. So don't remember, it's, it's, you know, we really shouldn't be having this conversation about this woman who keeps sacks of money in her house. So she has no receipts. Who's now prosecuting the president. Like the, you have so many unforced errors here. It's like, can't you just have like competent people who are prosecutors, competent people who are the president of the United States, et cetera. And that also goes for Donald Trump. Very much so. <laughs> Very much so. But that I take as a given that we don't have to actually clarify that because we've been doing that since 2015. But it must be very, very frustrating that this is the thing that you have to constantly come up against is that, oh, this woman's coming up on the stand. And I have never seen, it's like a mafia trial. In the sense that, you know, is it important? You know, as you said, I, I can't get too exercised about it. But when you are defending yourself saying, I do everything in cash, like, where did the cash come from? She's like, what do you mean where did it come from? It's like, so where was it? What job was it from? I don't know. It's like, I'm sorry, what? Like, you don't know where the cash from? Nope. It's in my house. Like, it's in your house? Who? I usually have $15,000 of cash. Camille, do you have any cash in your house? Yeah, about fifty dollars. Yeah, like me that. too. About maybe right about forty. Mistake. Mostly yeah. in quarters. It, it's my daughter's cash. It's that the I gold bullion that I, that I keep yeah. in the house. Yeah, I don't put that anywhere. Yeah, what are you fucking Bob Menendez? <laughs> it's kind of hard actually <laughs> to me. to withdraw that large sum of cash it's from very, a bank. 
And when you do, there's the feds report on you immediately. Yeah. yeah and there's also a record, which they asked her, is there a record? Of, Mm-mm. I got it in cash. <laughs> like, what? Remember the mafia used to say, um, used to find the amount that the casinos didn't have to report and yeah. say, I just under that, I wanted the casino. That's, you know, that's why uh, they passed the structuring. Yes. Uh, exception. Like if it's $9,999.99, even though the legal limit is $10,000, now you're guilty of structuring. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah. we're going to have to uh, yeah, get yeah. you up on that too. What At what point is it just below structuring? I remember back in a long time ago in DC used to have cab before it had Uber and it was zones. Do you remember zones? Yeah, yeah. And when you mm-hmm. pass into another zone, it would cost. And I remember I was really poor and really cheap and I was up, I was going to something at Heritage, like some like uh, a debate or something. And I had them stop because the zone was like at uh, Union Station and get out. And the guy lost <laughs> his mind. He's like, no, I know where you're going. I'm like, get, just let me out here. And I was like, I'll walk the extra 10 feet not to go over the zone. And the guy freaked out. Was the deba- That's structuring in a taxiway. <laughs> was the debate about... Just under. Was the debate about how much does the Heritage Foundation love Russia totally or just... It's a different time, Matt Welch. Oh, different time. It's a different time. Do you know the funny thing about this is I'm 90% sure that it was about how much the Heritage Foundation hated Russia because yeah. I'm pretty sure <laughs> it was a lecture or debate with Lee Edwards, who is oh, uh, yeah. the guy that ran the um, Victims of Communism uh, Memorial. And they mm. and he was at Heritage at the time. Yeah, not now where they're like, you know, the McDonald's in Russia is really something else. <laughs> I sent you guys that video. It was paywalled, by the way. Oh really? Yeah, and then someone posted it. It's Tucker going to. It's a heck of a week yeah. for uh, for our friend Tucker Carlson. Um, yeah, but uh, I I should we inject some somberness into the proceedings? Unfortunately, we have to. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, uh, and maybe Moynihan should mention it first since he'll pronounce the names correctly and at least do a hilarious accent. But uh, it's a it's a really fucking bad day uh, for. Um, for democracy, for freedom, for freedom of speech, um, and for the family of Alexei Navalny, who was murdered by the Russian state, who had been trying to murder him for a very long time. Um, mm-hmm. But I think there's a sense that you keep doing all the murdering and nothing happens, and Western television hosts come and say how great your country is, then why does it even matter? Why do you even pretend anymore? Because they did it in a slow process. I mean, remember, Navalny had been arrested. Uh, imprisoned, freed, poisoned. Um, and when he was poisoned, he got, uh, his family managed to get him out of the Russian hospital to a clinic in Germany that saved his life. The um, doctor that treated him in that hospital uh, and essentially allowed him to leave uh, was found dead a couple of weeks later. Um, heart attack, of course. He was in his early 50s. Uh, maybe mid-50s, Navalny goes um, and is treated and because of an uncommon amount of bravery. I mean, it's just, there's, when people talk about bravery, um, there is, Alexei Navalny, you could hate his politics. And his politics evolved over the years. I mean, people used to like to go back and say, well, he was a nationalist and he was anti-immigration, anti-immigrant, and he made these anti-immigrant videos in 2007, very long time ago, which he later apologized for. And tried to contextualize some of the stuff. He said some things about Ukraine and Belarus being part part of Russia. And, and he later backtracked on that and said, well, you know, not in the sense that the way that Putin is doing it, et cetera. And uh, he very bravely went back. He chose to go back. He chose to go back. And he was and he knew he was going to be arrested. And, and he was arrested and he was prosecuted. And that he might very well be killed. And this was part of... Correct. He, he went in with his boots on. Yes. Um, uh, he, yes. I gave an interview 
Christian Amanpour uh, tweeted this out today, and I retweeted it uh, this morning, an interview at, explaining his decision to go yeah. back. Um, and uh, Michael's exactly right. This is people who think, who imagine that they would be brave under a totalitarian system or even just a heavy authoritarian system. Um, uh, the slimmest majority of even even our wonderful listeners who are uh, brave and they call bullshit, even us, um, mm-hmm. you don't know what it would be like, how you would decide there. Very, 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 very few would decide to go back to the place that will arrest you and kill you and then did. Uh, another mm-hmm. person who did that and is in prison to who I've met and spent an afternoon noon with named Vladimir Karamurza. 60 Minutes did a piece on him a long time ago. You can watch it. His, his family lives in D.C., uh, his Russian family. And he insisted on going back. One of the smartest people I've ever sat across and incredibly incisive critic of the Putin regime. And he went back and he went to jail, of course. He was poisoned too, by the way. The Skripals in Russia, in um, England, a former KGB agent defector, another former KGB agent defector, Alexander Litvinenko, was poisoned with polonium and killed in Russia. We know who did it. We know exactly who did it. That person later went back to... Russia was was um, identified and is now in the Duma. He's in parliament as a member of the United Russia Party, a member of Putin's party. That's the reward for killing a dissident in a foreign country uh, with poisoned polonium tea. Uh, the Skripals were poisoned and the two people that poisoned him were identified and gave an a, um, interview to RT and said they were um, just in that town looking at the churches. They're very famous for its steeples. Literally said that, like almost mocking the people who were saying, you know, these people should be returned to be prosecuted in England. I mean, it is a criminal regime. It is a gangster regime in almost every way. They kill dissidents. Boris Nemtsov, who was a friend of Alexei Navalny, was gunned down in front of the Kremlin. Yeah. Uh, a very obvious message to people who would be dissidents from the Putin regime. When I saw this news this morning, I did two things. I went to a bunch of Russian newspapers. Izvestia first one. Nothing on this. It was reported by TASS, I think, reported by the, the Russian or state. Telegram. Or it was on Telegram or something, but the Russian state did say that they, they can't cover this up. I mean, Navalny had disappeared two months ago, and the entire world was like, what happened to Navalny? Oh, he was put at a different labor camp in Siberia, like literally in the Arctic Circle. And Komsomolskaya Pravda, the second or third biggest paper tabloid, nothing. Nothing. Fakti e argumenti, the, I think, biggest paper in Russia, nothing. Nothing on the homepage, nothing. No reporting. That's a dictatorship. That is an enormous, enormous bit of news. His YouTube following was huge. The, document, the documentaries he did about Medvedev's thievery and his houses and Putin's houses and all of this graft and corruption had hundreds of millions of views, and they were in Russian. These were, Russians consumed this stuff. I mean, when there were protests in Moscow, they were often in the past organized by Navalny. This is a person who was going to run for mayor of Moscow, did, was you know, incredibly popular, but you don't have any of the, the levers of media to actually run a, a sort of honest campaign. So it's not, it, there's no democracy in this at all. And then you're just punished by, by the judicial system. He was murdered by the state. And I just think it's an amazing thing that he's murdered by the state as one of the most successful and famous American television, cable television hosts is in Russia acting like the useful idiot that he is. And that's Tucker Carlson producing these obnoxious 
idiotic, embarrassing, I mean, truly embarrassing, really embarrassing. embarrassing videos about how great all the, it's a classic political pilgrim kind of thing. Isn't that the silver to, lining I, here though, Moynihan? I mean, at least Alexei had the opportunity to experience the the beauty of Moscow and <laughs> yes. pristine quality, the pristine, yeah. amazing, immaculate um, presentation system, that you yeah. re- receive on the subways there. I mean, not just that, that but is the shopping carts that go up the escalator. It's amazing. We, we don't have that. Never we, seen that we literally have that, that in that every before? place in America. And <laughs> yeah. he's like, I can't well, believe you Mr. put Mr. coin in <laughs> and you get, and you get, and then you get the coin back. It's like literally every, every airport, every airport Come on, Mr. Swanson. in fucking like, needle <laughs> in Aldi and all these places have it. And by the way, there's no homeless people. There's none of this stuff. You know why they have that is so people don't steal the shopping carts. <laughs> <laughs> no one's pointing this out. It's like because people will steal them, so you have to put money in, and it's not worth yeah. it to put the money in. Tucker but, Tucker Carlson, it, man of the people, hasn't been to a grocery store or a Target in fifteen no, years, maybe. No, I don't know, I, I, probably longer, <laughs> probably longer. Um, and I think that I've had it on pretty good authority that that's actually true. So I, I'm confident that's true. Uh, one thing that people uh, I think don't uh, realize because of um, anyone younger than me doesn't remember communism for the most part, unless you're from Vietnam or Cuba or something or Venezuela for that matter. Um, but uh, the way that communism, communist countries worked, it was actually rare to do open assassination of famous dissidents. This is not something that really happened. At some point you got to a level, and this is even in the most totalitarian of the communist countries. So Czechoslovakia, East Germany, Romania, Albania, mm-hmm. um, Maybe there was some in Romania that I'm, I'm forgetting about because I don't know that history as well. But uh, if you had a level of fame and notoriety as a dissident, this was at least a bit of life insurance, right? There's one reason why in uh, Czechoslovakia, when they did Charter 77, they made the spokesperson uh, for it, Helena Vondrachkova, because she was a very famous singer. Um, mm-hmm. And so you can't even throw the singer in jail without getting – uh, you know, Penn, International Penn, and a bunch of other human rights groups all exercise. You wouldn't have just murdered Václav Havel. You throw him in jail, which is... it depend- And it depends. There's one exception to that, by the way. And that, that is entirely true. But there's one exception to that. And they were the regional KGBs of, you know, occupied countries that just didn't give a fuck. And that is in particular Bulgaria. So okay. Bulgaria famously killed uh, a Georgi Markov, who was a dissident in when he left Bulgaria, was broadcasting from London in Radio Free Europe into Bulgaria. And he was the one that was famously killed with the poison-tipped umbrella oh, right, right, on, right. on the street. Actually, I think it was on London Bridge. And he felt a little prick and a guy just walking by. And he died. I mean, it, it was it, it was not the KGB wouldn't necessarily do that. Um, it was things like and you know and then on the the sort of far right thing is you would have um, who was it Renee Moffat or I think that's who it was who was blown up in DC who was a was an opponent of Pinochet. But it was very very rare that you would you would do something that aggressive. And Putin in that sense just doesn't care because like like look why do you invade Ukraine in two thousand fourteen? Why do you, because, you know, what happened with Georgia? I mean, Obama literally said, nothing we can do. Said the same thing in 2014, nothing we can do. There was a red line in Syria, nothing we can do. And there might be some truth to that, that there is nothing that we can do. And then you have the the uh, invasion in 2022. And then you have all of these dissidents who are publicly, um, at- physically attacked uh, I, I mean, I didn't even mention Anna Politskaya, who is, you know, the journalist from Novaya Gazeta. Novaya Gazeta was shut down. It, it, it was allowed to have like a husk of its, its its former self in Russia until 
the invasion of Ukraine when they started publishing stuff and then they had to leave. So now they're, I think, in Latvia. Um, maybe Latvia, Lithuania, maybe somewhere in Western Europe. The same thing is with Medusa, which was was operating out of Russia, now also in Latvia. Uh, Rain TV, Drozd, is now, I think, in the Netherlands. Uh, so they all of these, uh, you know, opposition places had had to leave. I mean, they all had stories about, obviously, about Navalny today. But it is an incredible thing to to see the aggression with which Putin... I mean, and, and it's... To have, I mean, it used to be the leftists in America who supported um, the Soviet Union. In the 1930s and 30s and 40s, they were quite powerful, right? There was an episode that we did, I think, a couple, maybe a month ago, that was um, maybe a paid episode, this is why you said subscribe, where I went through the number of people that were working for the State Department yes. and, you know, just like 100 plus people that were on the Soviet payroll. Um, 60s and 70s and 80s, they're all just like shithead students, they're all like people that are going to Chomsky lectures and stuff. You don't have that influence. Now, when you have someone like Putin, who has an enormous percentage of the, the Republican Party, which is so insane, that is willing to not only defend the, the unbelievably barbaric invasion of Ukraine, I mean, it's, it, the barbarism and the war crimes are insane to watch and go back and look at. You know, it's not just Bucha. It's all over the country. And, you know, I mean, there's apartment buildings that are getting hit with missiles two days ago and seven people are dying, two of which are babies. Nobody gives a shit about this anymore. But when you have a Tucker Carlson, literally the biggest uh, cable news show on television coming to your country, get, doing an interview with your president that was so embarrassing that the president himself mocked it. Vladimir Putin says, I got nothing out of this interview. I thought he was going to ask hard questions. And by the way, I want to support Joe Biden. He's just fucking with you guys. And you're too stupid to realize it. He's like, he, he was like, Joe Biden be a better president. And by the way, this Tucker Carlson guy's a fucking clown. I, I mean, there's the unbelievable. There's the uh, Rick Wilson. Um, there's a loathsome uh, character uh, quote about Trump that everything Trump touches dies. That's a metaphor. Yeah. Um, in Putin's case, it's not, um, yeah. uh, but they both uh, do, I think, similar kind of humiliation rituals. Yes, um, for sure. Um, now, and this is not a, uh, I'm not comparing Trump to Putin, um, just as you shouldn't compare Trump to Navalny, which oh now, God, yeah. uh, <laughs> at least two people of doing one of them, one of whom is a proven clown, uh, Dinesh D'Souza, who actually came at me, uh, when I retweeted Amanpour earlier, but he came at a, b a bunch of people. He's so proud of his tweet. That uh, that he's ba he basically actually said Trump equals Navalny and yeah. the, and the comparison was because Trump is being prosecuted in in America by his political enemies. Um, the plan of the Biden regime and the Democrats is to ensure their leading political opponent dies in prison. There's no real difference between the two cases. That is yeah. that is the killer line right there. Yeah. There's, There's no, no real difference between and the two the, cases. None by the way, equal, if, equal if, if, also, did, did you if Donald or did Trump you not died pay in prison, porn star. Like, did if you he it? if he went to prison <laughs> and and he died there, he would die of natural causes because he's like eight thousand years old. <laughs> Alexei Navalny is younger than me. Was younger than me. I mean, it's yeah, incredible. I remember when Donald old. Trump was poisoned, flown to a foreign country, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. barely and the doctor, and the doctor who back. treated him was murdered. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't that. just him. It was also Lee Zeldin. <laughs> that's a real who I fucking voted for yeah, for governor. I'm a, yeah, I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of surprised that he did that, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but made like the the direct equivalence thing. But uh, and we'd mentioned this on on previous episodes, like a lot of this history, you don't have to. It doesn't depend on the Valny being killed this week to say 
that um, you don't actually have to hand it to Vladimir Putin. Yeah. Yet mm -hmm. uh, a, I, who knows what the size of it is? Let's call it a minority. Let's be generous. A minority of the Republic, elected Republican Party on the national level um, and the, um, you know, air quote, think tank infrastructure that supports it. Um, a, a sizable minority has got to hand it to because Putin stands up for his people. Yeah. This is what he's doing to his people. He's murdering them if they oppose his wars. He doesn't stand up for his people. He stands up for his sycophants. I mean, for the people who defend him. And there's a high price to pay if you don't defend him because he's not going to support you. He's not going to stand up for you. He's actually going to do the quite, quite the opposite. He's going to kill you or to, to put you in prison. Um, but there's no real penalty for doing the worst possible thing you can do. There's going to be outrage uh, you know, in the United Nations and European Union, European Parliament, American Congress. And there's going to be a lot of silence from losers like J.D. Vance and Tucker Carlson, who is just totally beyond the pale to me now. I was thinking about the Tucker Carlson thing this morning, right when I read the Navalny uh, news, and I went and got off my bookshelf a book that I can't stop talking about, which I hope um, he died a couple of years ago as a professor at UMass, and I talk about him all the time, named Paul Hollander, the person who did the Hungarian, by the way, he escaped in 56 and uh, became quite an interesting sociologist, one of the sociology of communism and stuff. And he wrote a book about the people who were transfixed in trying to find the better society. He wrote a million books about it. But the one he wrote that is the classic is called Political Pilgrims. And I picked it up this morning because I remembered that there was a chapter, the first you know, 10 chapters about the trip about the guided trip. Um, and there was one I just picked up and I, I, I read this bit, which I wanted to read because I think it's, it, it applies to Tucker. And this is the thing where they try, Tucker's fans are trying to defend this. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you know about the interview he did with Putin. He did three videos, one praising the subway in uh, Moscow, one praising the McDonald's knockoff in Moscow, and once McDonald's pulled out in, in 2022. And the McDowell's. third one... Uh, but praising the supermarket. It was the supermarket, right? And the, which radicalized him, he radicalized said. Radicalized him, yeah. Um, seeing how cheap everything was yes. and how nice it was, radicalized him that he's been lied to. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you go to Cuba, you'll discover you want to be just like Cuba because everything's really cheap there, too. Um, this is a, a quote from the book, which I found, um, you know, it wasn't literally the second page I read this morning. And this is in response to the people who defend Tucker and say, well, you know, he's got a point where well, he's making points that are smart. And this is, of course, about people who went to the Soviet Union. Paul Hollander writes this. Moreover, for the, for the most part, what the visitors see is real. There are in these, as in most countries, enough feats of engineering, impressive cultural institutions, natural wonders, historical monuments, and attractive individuals that are appealing and interesting. What the visitors are in no position to know is how typical or how characteristic such sites and impressions are or how adequately they convey the flavor of life in the country at large. And he goes on to cite examples of people doing this in the Soviet Union, which are so hilariously wrong, those individual things. And he also says, you know, there are Potemkin villages too. But for the most part, you can find these things. and You're usually guided to these things. I mean, Tucker Carlson is not walking around Moscow a free man. If he wants to go visit a dissident in their apartment building and do it, that's not going to happen, right? I mean, he's not going to want to do that either. But Hollander also mentions, you know, the fact that people who go are always willing to be convinced. They're never there with an open mind. It just doesn't happen. You can, they're maybe on the fence 
They're maybe a little bit leaning towards one direction, but they're very easy to convince or they're going to just have their views confirmed to them. Um, that chapter in the book, which is, again, the book is called Political Pilgrims, the entire bit on the visits to totalitarian countries by Western dupes is just the Tucker Carlson script uh, for the modern age. He's talking about people on the far left. Um, notice in the video about the subway, Tucker does air quotes around Soviet. He's like, oh, these are like Soviet. They, like that's, you know, this is what they used to tell you. The scare of the Soviet Union. Who built the subway? Yeah. Uh, the slaves. Literally yeah. slaves from the Gulag. I mean, it's, mm. not, it's not disputed. It's slaves from the Gulag. And to make a, a subway that um, guides you through a city in the 1940s and 50s and 60s, which is so desperately impo impoverished and full of people who can't speak their minds. I mean, if you want that, great. It's There's been so many people uh, writing uh, well. Kevin Williamson wrote a good piece um, uh, for the for National Review. No, no, for uh, The Bulwark. Um, uh, yeah. and, uh, and some kid whose name I forget wrote a pretty good piece in National Review. Just normal yeah. corrections of, you know, that this high percentage of people in Russia – um, don't have indoor plumbing. Yeah. Um, you know, this, uh, this, this is the comparative GDP purchasing power. This is uh, how much money that Russians spend uh, on food compared yes, to Americans yes, yeah. over and over and over again. Um, at this point, it's not, it, it's not as if Tucker hasn't heard these things. Yeah. This is, this is totally a choice. It's a cho um, every <laughs> single piece that he's done. And I think the way to understand him in his modern iteration is that his, Peace every time is that uh, American elites and therefore globalist elites um, and the media and the Washington consensus is lying to you. Yeah. I will see everything through that prism. Oh, they're telling you that Russia is bad. They're lying to you. Look, um, yeah. they're telling you that Ukraine is the good guy and Russia is the bad guy. They're lying to you. Look over and over and over again. And this is why you end up going into some pretty crazy conspiratorial things. My favorite bit of Tucker from the past week is uh, a random tiny little sliver which is he got into high Dutch and he's in the big beef with Ben Shapiro. Um, and uh, you can understand why, because they're competing for a mind share. And also Ben Shapiro at this point is just far his intellectual superior. It's yes. very obvious. Anytime yeah. you watch or listen to Ben Shapiro, it doesn't mean you agree with him or don't have criticisms of the way that he's adding to, you know, the, the general problem sometimes of conser conservative yeah, yeah. brain worms, which he does through his employment practices, probably more than his own personal <laughs> oh, contributions. Yeah. We got to have um, Ben on. What? Yeah, we do. Yeah, so Actually, we have to um, have Ben on. He's, he's, yeah, he's he talks really come. fast. So we, everyone needs to, oh, let's get him on. Um, yeah, but yeah, let's take right. him on right before, like 15 yeah. minutes before we start. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Be fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, and then have Matt Iglesias come in. <laughs> just be like, no, and then get <laughs> Kyle Dunnigan to come on. Sir, that makes absolutely no sense. Oh, but, man. Uh, so Tucker went at Ben Shapiro and uh, got himself in high dudgeon and said, you know, one of the reasons why I, I take this stuff, it's, it's very personal to me. He's talking about American foreign policy and mm -hmm. why uh, he's against supporting Ukraine and stuff like that. Um, uh, he's like, it's very personal to me because I have four draft age children. Mm -hmm. um, and my first response as someone who, unlike Tucker, I didn't. Should be that there's no draft. I, <laughs> That's the first thing that you should actually say. Unlike Tucker, I service, didn't though. volunteer. It's not a draft, though. I didn't apply for the CIA. I refused to join the Selective Service. So there's a little bit of a difference going in um, uh, between us. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sympathetic to the argument uh, and some people 
uh, who've been on the show in the past have uh, voiced this argument. They don't want their sons or daughters serving in a war and that the interventionists uh, you know, are, are like fast and loose. Some of our listeners have been coming at us recently accusing us of being a, a, you know, military industrial complex shills who don't understand that young people can go to war. So I get it. I was sympathetic. Yeah, well, then, I, then I also thought for a second, <laughs> huh, does he have four um, yeah. draft age children? Or listener, reader, um, he does not. Um, he has two children <laughs> who are over the draft. The draft age is 18 to 25. The selective yeah. service, you have to sign up uh, under penalty of, of punishment, which I have uh, willingly accepted. Um, so I can't, you know, ever get a student loan and I can't get a driver's license in 40 states and uh, mm-hmm. et cetera if I was to apply for one. But um, uh, you, uh, if you're on a list and if, if somehow we were to reinstitute the draft like that, yeah. um, then the people who are uh, going to be drafted are between the ages of 18 and 25. Two of Tucker Carlson's kids are older than 25. So he doesn't have – um, two drafted kids and the two that are um, uh, in within the band. One of them is 25 and both are women. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that would probably provoke some rant about how there's no such thing as gender. And, you know, now there's women in the military and they could be drafted. From, from Tucker? But also, the bullshit dudgeon, my guy. I mean, it also is so many leaps to there will be a draft. The only people, by the way, who have suggested that we should reinstitute the draft are usually um, opponents of war, opponents of, of, of America's involvement. It's, in any- it's both. There was a piece actually in Real Clear Investigations just this week from someone who's like, we have to do this to get ready for the next war. No, but I'm saying but people yeah. in Congress. It's usually some, yes. you know, uh, some squad if, if type person. If they have skin in the game. If they have skin in the game, they won't, they won't do this, which is, which is a, a wild way of um, looking at something where the military itself is voluntary and you understand when you're joining the military that there's a potential that you could go to war and that you don't have power over which wars you go to, which is why I wouldn't join the military. I'm sorry to say, but, um, I respect people that, that do, but that's just not, wasn't my path. Um, that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is that nobody, it's a completely ridiculous straw man argument. There is no one of any consequence that I can find who have said that, has said that there should be American boots on the ground in Israel or in Ukraine. And if somebody suggested that, that we should have boots on the ground, I would vehemently angrily, vociferously oppose that. And I think that most people who say foreign countries that, you know, aren't on our border like Ukraine or like Israel should not be invaded by a hostile and psychopathic foreign power, to say that does not mean that you wish that Americans could go and fight that fight. Americans, in fact, are fighting that fight in some ways, in uh, you know, actually fighting that fight in Ukraine, and I met some of them. And there was a video that was posted, uh, yesterday was one of the craziest videos I've seen in a long time from the Ukraine war is about a five minute video of an English speaking uh, uh, group of soldiers fighting and very, very close uh, proximity with, with Russians. And on the, I can't remember it was main Advika or something. It was in, in um, Eastern Ukraine. So people are doing that, but that, that is just a silly, pointless, worthless straw man argument that Ben Shapiro who then of course responds and says, if you can find me ever saying that we should have American boots on the ground, I'd love to see it. Cause I don't say that. And, but the argument is not with Ben Shapiro's specific points about this. It's about what Ben Shapiro represents. And he represents the Republican Party and conservatism in the way that Tucker Carlson can't stand it and hates it. And I don't know what provoked that probably. I mean, he was an original staffer of the Weekly Standard, the kind of in-flight magazine of neoconservatism, um, which I'm sure (laughs) made him change his mind on uh, certain things. And, you know, he talks about how much he hates Bill Kristol, et cetera. 
um, which is a defensible position when Bill Crystal's taken so many insane uh, positions recently and in the past. Who knows? I mean, I've always enjoyed uh, talking to him. I've interviewed him a bunch of times. I know him a little bit. I haven't seen him in a long time. But yeah, I mean, that's I don't know what the motivation for this stuff is. But it, it, there are so many things that he says that do not sound conservative to me. Um, and I know that conservatism has changed. Somebody sent him a, 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 a rather obnoxious email. We got increasing numbers of these, by the way, <laughs> the obnoxious emails. It's like, yeah, conservatism's changed and that's the way it should be and you guys should suck it up. And yeah, but like, I mean, we're not conservatives in any any real, I don't feel like, oh my God, my ideology has been lost to these people. My mm. opinion on that is that I wish that ideology that has a significant amount of support and supports Donald Trump for president was different. Yeah. Um, I'm not lamenting its loss because, you know, that's what I grew up with and that's what I want to be. I just don't think it is materially different from the Democratic Party in so many ways. People used to say this all the time, and I'm sorry for going on for so long, but people say there's no real daylight between Democrats and Republicans. It's always wrong in so many real ways. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. is actually more true now than it's been in the sense that you know, J.D. Vance tweeting the other day, like, these are the people who want to who want to cut your Social Security. It's like, OK, we'll just let's just keep throwing money at everything. Yeah, no, that's a, bi that's a <laughs> that's bipartisan a, agreement. That's a bipartisan agreement. There yeah. was like remember an intellectual the last coherence at some point with between like con amongst conservatives. Uh, yeah. I will just refer to um, the last State of the Union address, and maybe it was the last one that we'll ever oh. see. <laughs> um, there was a moment when uh, Joe Biden, like, called out Republicans it's like they want to cut their social security, and Republicans basically said, "No, we don't." No, it's you. Um, and and, every, yeah. <laughs> and everybody like stood up and applauded together that we're all going to protect social security. And it's like, okay, um, Americans can still agree on something. Same. Call yeah. call us in ten years when the uh, automatic twenty three percent haircut comes down because the uh, the trust fund in air quotes doesn't exist. Camille, yeah. did you remember I, something? I did. I did remember. Brain? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Be, be, before we get into entitlements. Mm -hmm. We were talking about the possibility of American boots on the ground, and I want to try to take mm -hmm. some of this critique seriously for two different reasons. One, I think you already alluded to, Matt, which is that a number of people, or at least some people, who are very much in favor of America supporting Ukraine and want to continue to render aid there, th those people have said in some instances, we're fighting them over there so that we don't have to fight them here. We don't want... Um, or have said that, you know, we're funding the Ukrainian effort so that we don't have to have American boots on the ground at some point in over Poland there in that or part. in the yeah. Baltics. Yes. Yeah. So that they've, they've made that assertion directly. So there's a sense in which Tucker is responding to that, but there's another sense in which one can continue to take this seriously, which is to say that it, to the extent the United States is serving in this role, being policemen of the world, helping to ensure that pirates or Houthi rebels aren't attacking shipping lanes um, or, you know, to help sure up things in Ukraine, providing logistical support occasionally with some boots on the ground, even if it's a small footprint. We've seen already that when U.S. service people die in those, in those circumstances, that it can lead to a kind of escalation. So the, the, the assertion here taken very seriously is Look, to the extent we're getting more involved in these situations that don't directly concern us, we are exposing ourselves to a, a higher probability of there being some wider conflict that we can't kind of pull back from and keep ourselves out of. And that in general, I want to try to, to, to stay away from that. Whatever the noble purpose is you imagine you're pursuing, 
that reality is one that you at least have to have to deal with. And I, I, uh, I stand in, in strong agreement with that and then also in, uh, in one way um, uh, a disagreement with. The agreement okay. part is that our imperial autopilot, right, are just sort of leftover. Um, we have forward bases. Every, we have a base in Jordan. Why? Well, actually, Jordan is a is a major non-NATO ally. Um, is that something that we all – if we had to vote on that just right now, would we include our major non-NATO allyship as Americans, uh, Jordan and Qatar, uh, uh, in addition to Israel and, and other places? I'm not sure that we would, and we have all these forward-basing places. We are in Syria, even though there's never been a vote on that, and there should be votes on, on uh, all of these types of things. And even though the Biden administration, which uh, almost never, though, recently in a pretty good um, uh, foreign policy magazine essay by Stephen Wertheim, who I don't always agree with, but he pointed out that comparatively, the Biden administration since coming in has been trying to draw backwards from the Middle East, has been trying to pivot to Asia, as they're always doing. Um, and But we have these sort of leftover structures that are staffed by Americans. And even though no U.S. soldier, to my knowledge, has ever died while supporting Israel in their military squabbles with their neighbors um, in 75 years. And that's an important thing that people, if you're obsessed about the lobby, you should be aware of that uh, little, small, not inconvenient fact. But the fact that we are still this kind of, without any public, real public support for it anymore on both sides um, of the mm-hmm. of the political aisle, um, we are still in those places. And even as we're getting smaller in those places, we still get drawn in pretty easily. I'm really fucking worried about that. I'm worried. And I'm also worried about just that fact that there isn't public support. I've always thought that you have to tether, um, you have to do a reality check of for American foreign policy if it departs crazily from where the public is and there isn't any any yeah. kind of narrative theory about what we're doing and why, then you're inviting a kind of reactionary populism and and some bad policy associated with that, including not thinking through the ne- next steps. Part of those next steps, mm-hmm. um, I would I would argue, um, so uh, Tucker Carlson, for example, and Donald Trump and other people, um, you know, basically are not big fans anymore of uh, the NATO alliance uh, and its Article 5, uh, you know, uh, uh, stipulations that we come to the defense of anyone who's been attacked. We haven't had to use that anywhere um, with the exception of Afghanistan. uh, And that was them coming to our aid. Um, But uh, so what do you think the world looks like, um, you know, when we stop giving aid to Israel and and Qatar and other places and we stop uh, doing so much in Egypt um, and stop doing so much collective security? What that looks like is that America, and this is you know not happening anytime soon, but America becomes more like Switzerland, becomes more like Israel. The less you do collective security, the more you have to secure yourself. What do those countries have? Mandatory fucking military service for all of Tucker Carlson's beautiful children. Um, that is some. Uh, that's the next step that people haven't thought through, and it's also a, it's a world where people. Uh, uh, autocrats and other people um, feel more emboldened to do things. Now, I happen to believe that America shouldn't be the ones who are leading a military pushback against Vladimir Putin in their, in this near abroad. We shouldn't go to war over Georgia, um, but we should acknowledge if those of us who are in favor of you know having Europe take a, a more leading role in NATO and in the Ukraine resistance and having America draw back down, we should do this clear eyed. It's going to look like the Afghanistan withdrawal. It's going to be a shit show. I still want it because if it's going to be so divorced 
from American public opinion, then the, uh, a hasty beat back withdrawal, it's going to be even worse than whatever we're seeing right now. Um, but the, the, the last little bit is that there is a coherence to the, uh, you know, we're helping Ukraine because otherwise uh, it's going to, you know, it's going to spread to Poland thing, that which is Nikki Haley's point. Uh, it, I think it's absolutely right. If right now Vivek Ramaswamy snapped his fingers and gave half of Ukraine to Vladimir Putin in exchange for some promise that Putin would break in a second, <laughs> that's what uh, he argues for, um, the chances of Putin then first invading Moldova, but then looking, training his eye on the Baltics, uh, and then the chance for a nuclear arms race in Eastern Europe uh, are way, way, way high. Um, so there is a coherence behind supporting Ukraine as an idea of that will deter Putin from thinking that he can go into the Baltics. Um, that Partic- said, particularly Estonia, because uh, what, what you know, it's the same thing that the Germans did in Czechoslovakia. It's the same thing as the Germans did in Poland and Danzig, Gdansk. Uh, is that there's a significant German minority, and this is the case, obviously, with a Russian-speaking minority in Estonia. So that Poland is is the case is a little harder, but it's a much they would think it's much easier in a place like Estonia. One small correction. Um, it's a matter of how you look at it. Uh, when you say no Americans have died in the pursuit of Israel's security, I would say that's r- kind of wrong with one. Lebanon. Lebanon. Yeah. So it's 241 Americans died in the Marine barracks bombing in 1983. There were also, it was a multinational force. There were French people there too. Reagan, of course, responded to that by pulling all Americans out of Lebanon. That was because of um, Israel's invasion of Lebanon, um, which was justified for a number of reasons too. I mean, it wasn't just like a random, like we're going to take territory invasion. So there's that. But I would say that that to the to the point of that, you know, giving people weapons, um, allowing them, you know, because Obama prevented um, America from giving U- Ukraine weapons. That was they said no to that. Um, Donald Trump didn't, by the way, <laughs> that, yeah. weird, that phone call is a very weird phone call and there's a lot to criticize on it. Was mm-hmm. It was call. not a perfect call. <laughs> um, did he do something illegal and impeachable? It's a different issue, questionable. But, yeah. but questionable, but, um, giving people weapons. I mean, if you pull back, you know, Camille, the point that you make, I think is an interesting one. And it's one, you know, that I've heard, but to the point that, that Matt makes too, that, you know, Joe Biden Thinking about, okay, this is, we're going to retreat from the Middle East. It's been caused nothing but problems uh, for us. The existence of American troops in places in Syria is a direct result of the American invasion of Iraq. No American invasion of Iraq, this doesn't happen, right? This is, you know, the the um, fight to liberate Mosul from ISIS and ISIS is headquartered in Syria, et cetera. It's all part of this, you know, from the 2003 disaster on. I mean, you're... You can see, okay, there are actually boots on the ground there. They're not engaging in regular combat. There are people that occasionally die, et cetera. It does piss people off. But, you know, Ukraine, that's never going to happen. There's no, it's not as if this is a a military conflict that we started, um, despite what John Mearsheimer says. We didn't start it. (laughs) He might think that we did, but we didn't. And as Vladimir Putin made very clear in his interview with Tucker Carlson, this has nothing to do with NATO. This goes back, you know, many thousand years. And giving people weapons, when they're being attacked, I think is not only a defensible thing, but a morally correct and righteous thing. They might get mad about it. I don't care. Too bad. Because, you know, we've been doing this in Israel. We've been doing this in Ukraine. We've been doing this, you know, um, Egypt, obviously, obviously to keep that peace there. 
uh, Georgia and Saakashvili that kind of backfired on us. And then Ivanashvili and these kind of pro-Russian forces take over. Saakashvili is currently in jail in Georgia, et cetera. So that didn't work out in the end. Um, but this kind of defending um, or, or, or saying we will defend you in the sense that you want things, we'll provide you loans for them. We'll give them to you. We'll sell them to you, whatever it might be. Because if Biden is thinking we're going to back out of the Middle East because of the disaster it's been. <laughs> so if you think what's going to happen, this might provoke World War III. What we do might provoke. We have to think about the other people too. Is Iran in some way thinking, you know what? Let's not precipitate an invasion of Gaza by ourselves and our proxies invading Israel, because this is a time that America's sort of retreating. What idiot thinks that by doing that, you're because they don't want America, they want to fight America, which is, you know, Islamic Jihad, which was, you know, a kind of nascent group that we didn't really know what it was in 1983, but took responsibility for the bombing in, in Lebanon, which is, of course, a court found orchestrated by Iran, right? The, the direct, in, I mean, the invasion of Iraq was fantastic for Iran. They were like, you know, let's create roadside bombs. Let's create militias. Let's fund them. And let's, you know, Soleimani come in and fight the war there. Fantastic. Our hand doesn't show. I mean, of course it shows, but it's not a direct confrontation, which is precisely what the United States does, right? Every other country in the world does this when they want to defeat the United States, when they want to challenge them, et cetera. If you retreat, I don't suspect that what's going to happen there is going to be a great thing. The other weird argument I'll make here is if you go to a Trump rally, the number of people that you see there that come in on motorcycles that have, you know, Vietnam vet jackets on, that have American flags that say, you know, you know, you didn't serve in the military. These people don't serve their country, et cetera. If you don't need America to, you know, keep the balance of power anywhere in the world, okay, you can make that argument. And I think that's a respectable argument. I don't think it's crazy. I disagree with certain elements. If that's certain elements, I agree with. I don't, do we, do we need people X, Y, and Z places? If you go down the list, I'm going to probably agree with you on a lot of those things. Mm. But if you don't have any of that in the United States military, is just basically broken down and, you know, cut to, you know, one eighth of what it was. Because why do you need it? Right. If it's not doing these things, about what border fentanyl, uh, border fentanyl is probably the only thing. Right. Do you think the people that are out there, the MAGA people are going to say, like, we just need to eliminate the American military? No, I don't think that's something that people would support. The reason Republicans for years, and it's something that I've been critical of, have said we have to sort of lower government spending, be more cautious about it. With the exception of the military, we can spend, spend, spend. That was never something that exercised the people that voted for Republicans. And was because they agreed with that generally. I don't think that's really changed. I think the tenor of the conversation has changed. I think the kind of AOC niche of a lot of Republicans these days the is interesting. The theory is, but that's an elite conversation. <laughs> that's an elite conversation. And, and it's not going to be. That's why uh, Trump, I mean, Trump's politics on this stuff is always more skilled than his sort of uh, uh, elite media explainers or people who are trying to tease out the theory. Yeah. Trump campaigns like a Jacksonian. He does, right. uh, which is like uh, this wouldn't happen on my watch because we'd get tough. He just says that over and over again. Um, and he also, yeah, he doesn't say that we shouldn't do. He's like Putin would never do this because I mean he threatened to bomb Moscow. D d look this up. You remember this? He's like, if he fucks with me, I'm going to bomb it. We're going to bomb my beautiful, beautiful supermarkets. Yeah, beautiful subways. <laughs> we're going to bomb it. We're going to get rid of it. And like everyone's like, wait, he's the peacenik candidate. He's the Ron Paul of our generation. It's like, no, that's not only not true, but it's the opposite of true because he's like, I'm going to project strength in a different way. 
But you notice the people who died, these Georgia um, natives, I think were um, they not, not National Guard, the people that died in Jordan and the... Um, I don't remember mm-hmm. where I they were, yeah. but they were uh, from Georgia and yeah. they died in this drone attack. The response to that was not, I mean, you saw it, I saw it, Camille saw it because we pay attention to different kind of uh, media outlets and we live on Twitter in some ways. Um, the response was not, what were we doing there? Yeah. There was not a huge conversation about that. And Americans don't, they really accept that that is something that America does. Whether or not we should do that's a totally different story. I'm not advocating that we should have a base in 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 jordan which by the way might have been over the border in syria <laughs> we don't actually know Kinda which is a problem too that we don't know this but i'm not making that argument in any way so don't send me a stupid fucking email about it i'm just saying that that exists and the response of the american people was not one of what are we doing why are they if it even was there? if it was the size I, of the beirut barracks bombing uh, i'd be a different thing i think mm. uh, if, I, and you know reagan's people, response was to pull everybody out People's, right, people's right. Like, as opposed response to an automatic to, escalation. Yeah, correct. Yes, correct. Uh, people's. Well, I mean, he was rhetorically tough for a month, and then like a, a few months later, then he came. And it was back. the same year we invaded Grenada, by the way. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I think one of our best invasions. I'm a huge fan of that invasion. It was a great invasion. You just like the playing Guns and Roses. No, that was Panama. That was Panama. <laughs> Sorry, that was Panama. Was yeah. Mixing my uh, shock and awe. And I think Slayer too, by the way. Oh really? Yeah, it might have been. It might have been in Iraq, but Shit, I think it was I might Slayer. My yeah, mind, yeah. Kerry King and uh, Tom Araya <laughs> for I, America. I want to Matt Welch, our yes, um, technology correspondent. I wanted to talk to you a little what? bit about <laughs> the the latest developments from OpenAI, the the Sora. <laughs> um, you're gonna pop where you can me? create you can create video with text prompts, and it is like photorealistic, jaw dropping quality. And this is very early iteration. The technology will never be any worse than it is today. And today it Arrest is extraordinary. Sam <laughs> <laughs> um, Matt Welch, I, I know you're paying close attention to all of these matters. I'm, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. curious about your response because I see a lot of people saying, oh, my God, this is crazy. We First should be all, a little bit you, concerned about it. Um, have you played with it yet? And then have you played no. with it uh, asking prompts about Fanny Willis yet? These were well, two questions. Can you have one. an AI Fanny Willis? <laughs> oh, my God. Maybe a great you video imagine? game. Could you like, imagine? It's like, Fanny Willis is the yeah. sequel to her yeah. coming. It's yeah. the sequel to her. Is <laughs> AI I Fanny Willis. I yeah. any idea why you're <laughs> talking about sex yeah. of cash. I just want, I want electronic arts, EA sport. It's in the game. I want, I want like <laughs> fucking, I want like a Fanny Willis game. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, you try to get, it, I know they do a lot of sports games, but they should get yeah. out of that and do like, you got to find the cash in the house. You got to burn the receipts. <laughs> it's all like photorealistic AI. And Where's you can daddy? Only, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That's Grand Theft Auto. Finding you have the it in the headset so you can do yeah. this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one can see that hand gesture. I know. But I know. That's, that's a good a, hand there's gesture. A reason for, there's a that's reason strong. for that. Yeah. <laughs> they can feel uh, that. <laughs> but, but I'm curious, genuinely, if you guys have perspectives on this. Matt, I do suspect you probably aren't paying attention. Moynihan, I am sure you saw this. My, my own take yeah. on this is it is exciting. It's really cool. It's still quite yeah. early. I don't think it's yeah. going to um, completely change things overnight. But the pace of innovation no. right it's now incredible. in AI is absolutely extraordinary. Um, yeah. I am not afraid uh, that this is going to be uh, a fount of disinformation that's going to completely royal our no, our right. polity. It's, 
That's because people don't actually require evidence, video evidence or otherwise, to believe completely insane things in this day and age, or in any day and age, quite frankly. They want to believe crazy things, so they do. Correct. Have you seen the UAP videos? (laughs) This is a question that is worth asking, because the problem about that question in America is it's always tethered to Donald Trump, and Donald Trump, and the Republican Party, and Fox News, and OAN, etc. I saw a video, I was watching this video on YouTube, and it was like something from ARD, the German uh, uh, public broadcaster. And so it finished and I was just like mucking about and, you know, cooking and I said, and it went to a different video and it was just someone speaking German to camera. Like, you know, one of these videos that you see a lot in America, like somebody with this same sure SM7B microphone sitting in front mm-hmm. of an ice backdrop talking and it was in German and I just turned it around and I'm, I'm listening to it and I'm watching it and it's an Asian woman who's Vietnamese. So I, uh, German, but Vietnamese last name, which by the way, I asked the person who was there with me, why is that person Vietnamese? I don't know. Come on. There's a lot of Vietnamese. Why? And it, it was like, okay, figured it out. East Germany, Vietnam, a lot of people in for students there. So Vietnam. And she's talking about misinformation, disinformation, and how in, this is in German and about in Germany and these big protests of AFD, the far-right party, and about immigration, that we cannot agree upon a shared reality. And it's what you hear in America a lot. And it's like, oh, wait, she's talking about specific German examples. I'm like, okay, so how is this happening in Germany without Donald Trump? How is this happening in Germany without Fox News and MSNBC and all this stuff? It's like, oh, it's just kind of a human instinct, isn't it? And, you know, this technology is not the cause of it. And will it accelerate it? Look, people make arguments and you can't know at this point. I don't find them very convincing. But I'm just, like Camille, I'm impressed, very, very impressed by the, the pace of innovation. And one would imagine, there's two things that I'm always baffled by, that the subway in New York City doesn't create more libertarians. Right? <laughs> no, you have the governments, they have no incentive to make anything good and it's not good. And there's no public-private partnership. And you're like, how is everybody not realizing that it's because when you try to use a New York State website, like to like renew your license or something. It's like, is this, is this from like, you know, 1995? This is the most, ins- I cannot believe how shitty this is, right? Nothing works. And the, <laughs> and the other one is that when you see stuff like this, that you're not like, wow, capitalism is fucking amazing, right? Because yeah, you know, t- Tucker's fucking video, there's one, find this, it's online. It's like behind a paywall, but somebody posted it on Twitter where he goes to the McDonald's, like the Russian and he's like, this is delicious. I can't believe Amazing. And it's like, I haven't eaten fast food in years. <laughs> and then he's eating this hamburger. And he's like, this is incredible. And it's like, okay, the Russia's the best. It's like, do you know what they're doing? They're doing a fucking impression of us. We made that. That's our <laughs> shit. They're, they're trying to do McDonald's. And he's, rem- he's talking about how his father was working in the government and how when the Moscow McDonald's, I remember this, I remember the story at the time. And it was like this big deal. It's like, yeah, yeah. Cause what we have is fucking awesome. <laughs> Sorry. Like that's the same. This AI stuff is like that. Is that, a, that's AI video. That's yeah. AI generated. Did yeah, you, totally you prompt it? Did you prompt no, it? Or no, the, is it you, you can't, like, you can't actually on. access it yet. It is being okay. quote red teamed right now, which is to say that the, and there are apparently some trusted creators who have access. And I think that they're sort of testing the limits but also seeing what kind of dastardly things someone might be able to do to it with it so that they can um, kind of lock it down yeah. a bit more. That's kind of cute. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, if you real. have AI she's to create a, a woman, person. you're not going to fucking create some busted. I was <laughs> no, just going to use an example. Not, and I was not like, I true. Yeah. I think yeah. I sent you guys a link the other day to someone whose Instagram is completely devoted to generating images of 
uh, morbidly obese people of color. Oh, um, what, was in the, what was the name of the Instagram feeds? I can't, it's something, it's preposterous, something it's like amazing. nigger, nigger tech or something. It's insane. <laughs> yeah, and, it's, really? and, and it's literal. That's I'm, I'm being serious. <laughs> yeah, this yeah, is someone yeah. who, who believes that this project is noble and good yeah. and virtuous that what we yeah. need more than anything else. Well, Cause they can't die of a heart disease in AI. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, so, breaking news, breaking news. Uh Oh, we're, we're taping this 1142 Eastern standard something time on, uh, on <laughs> it's uh, just Friday Eastern time. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Joe Manchin to announce he will not run for president. Uh, oh, wow. Exciting. Yeah. I too will not be running for president. I don't think <laughs> no. <laughs> that could change. I'm just saying. No. Um, yeah. Well, the open AI thing is pretty cool. Uh, Very cool. you should, you should go check it out, Matt. It's, it's worth paying some attention to. This is the future. And, um, I look forward to watching many of these videos inside of my vision pro headset, which I'm definitely uh, not going to take back to the store. Well, that a story, which I think it might be fake news is that, um, if you haven't seen this story is that, uh, people are bringing back their Apple vision pros because, uh, oh, I believe it. I, mean, I know, I know a few people who are taking them back, but not because of the headaches. It's just the 14 day thing is about to expire and it costs four grand. So oh, yeah. <laughs> you want your money back. Yeah. Yeah. So it's basically just like getting to use it for 14 days and then you yes. can bring it back. Yeah. And yeah. I suspect there's actually going to be a lot of people who do this. I have no idea, you know, what percentage of total purchases um, are going to work back, out right? that way. But I don't, I don't think so. No, it's very, it is very cool. I mean, I've been using it for a week. I will say that the very best application does appear to be like using it to watch things because I now have an IMAX theater in my home that I can strap on my face at any time. The other night, I actually watched a couple of old episodes of Martin, which you remember. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's not 16 Shanae, by 9. Well, un- and <laughs> unfortunately, it's not 16 <laughs> by 9. It's 4 by 3. But it's still, like, the quality is really, really great. And I am making this thing so large that it can't fit in my house. And it's spectacular. You get lost yeah. in the thing that you are paying attention to. And the viewing experience is so much better. And I'm, I'm just now seeing the reviews for the Dune sequel um, that's coming out very soon. And it, it appears to be absolutely extraordinary. And as I mentioned on the last members only watching Dune in 3d on the Apple vision pro is almost certainly the, the very best possible theatrical experience imaginable. Like it's crazy. And people it should makes me almost want to, I mean, the thing that in technology, which is crazy and people don't think about, I mean, this aspect of it, when you say the Martin stuff, I mean, there's a lot of software that is available to average people. Mm-hmm. One in particular called Topaz, which, which upscales things. So you have old, crappy yeah. looking, you know, maybe 720p, maybe 1080p at the best. You can upscale it to 4K and make it look insane. Like old, crappy stuff looks amazing because it's just using AI fills in those details. Oh. It makes it cool. actually look like it was shot in 4K, but it was shot in, you know, 1970. You know, there's a 4K version of, you know, Harmon Killebrew hitting a home run or something. You know, I'm not going to complain about that. And, uh, and yeah, that's particularly, I was watching, speaking of baseball, total apropos of nothing, I was watching um, something that I don't think exists anymore. Does it exist now? The Old Timers Day? Very few places do Old Timers Day anymore. I don't know why. This, if you go back and look in the either 80s or early 90s, an Old Timers Day from Yankee Stadium, you realize how crazy it is that it's about half full. I mean, you see a lot of empty seats in the stadium and it's 
Whitey Ford, Mickey Mantle, yeah, Joe DiMaggio. <laughs> I mean, it's like unbelievable. Ralph Kiner, like it's in this like only half of the people there. And uh, and you know, in the old days, they would play. They actually they played. would play. There's yeah. a great uh, a video of uh, a 75 year old Luke Appling hitting a home run. Really, at, a, at an old timers uh, game, I think in Washington. Washington DC, but they didn't move the fence in or anything. They did a little bit, a little but, bit, but yeah. not much. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, no, he still, still had it. Wow. That's it's great. 75. Anyway. So yeah, that's, that's that. But, um, totally random thing. I just happened upon like old timers day. Well, I just want to know, uh, or I just want, I, I'm waiting for the day where Natalie Wood's last movie brainstorm, uh, which had, uh, I believe Christopher Walken was in that. Well, uh, he was on the boat when she died uh, there was one. or was murdered by Robert Wagner. <laughs> That is correct. All <laughs> is Robert it. Wagner still alive? Can you sue me for that? Uh, I don't remember. So no, yeah. Dennis Wilson certainly is dead. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He uh, also fell off a boat. <laughs> it's hard to, hard to swim out there when your face is full of cocaine. Yeah. In Bra- Marina Del Rey, right? That's where it was. Uh, yeah, it wasn't, yeah. That, wasn't that far out. Um, but uh, anyways, Brainstorm is about a new tech where people can strap a horrible, like, Camille Foster headset on their on their face and relive other people's uh, experiences. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and so, and, and there's a classic scene where one of the tech guys who's working on the projects, it's mm-hmm. all these brainiacs like uh, Natalie Wood and whatnot. Um, but one of the janitors, <laughs> yeah. the brainiac janitors played by Matt Damon gets, <laughs> gets a copy of it. And then, uh, and like uh, the recording device and goes immediately to the strip club and then like records yeah. all the stuff. And then the other guy there straps on the headphones and experiences the guy at the strip club and they just find him in the corner okay. of the room twitching <laughs> and his brain has been broken uh, because he's just watched fucking on loop. It's crazy. Scene. <laughs> <laughs> crazy scene. That's, so that's, oh that's the future. I mean, that's, that's no, yeah, that's that. the now. I do that now. <laughs> Strap on a thing exactly. and watch a strip club. That's yesterday. Yeah. It was like literally before I came this morning. I had a cup of coffee, I had set on, Pro. and I was twitching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, what they need uh, to do with the Abolition Pro is that, yeah. is that this is my suggestion to the, the Brainiacs like uh, uh, Sam Altman. Who also Tim is Apple. a total cock. <laughs> so just beyond, just an asshole too. Jeez. But um, it's fine. Yeah, it's it's yeah. just me I mean, saying, he was gonna come saying it. I understand, yeah. Yeah, he yeah. was going to come no, you, on. And then you're allowed like, to have your I, You know, I can't believe that you would even ask a question like that <laughs> yeah. to somebody as brilliant as me. No, you guys had a bad interaction. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking hate that guy. Um, <laughs> the thing about certain video games is if you have like, say, a World War II video game, the stuff that's like hyper-realistic, and you always get served up the stuff if you're looking yeah. on YouTube, like 4K, hyper-realistic, like Battle of Guadalcanal or something, is that, you know, that recreation, the shooting, all that stuff is is kind of secondary, maybe even tertiary, because people like that, like kind of reliving that thing. It's like what colorizing old footage is, right? You find this stuff that's sped up, because of the frame rate was always screwed up then, you normalize the frame rate, which is actually quite hard to do, and then you colorize it. If you look at Peter Jackson's uh, World War I movie, um, it's, amazing. it's amazing, and that's what they do. They, they, the frame rate correction is a very hard thing. They colorize it, et cetera. And like living in that, seeing that time, if you were to have an immersive experience with you know, one of these Apple-type headsets or, or even to, uh, the Quest the Facebook one, mm-hmm. the meta one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the most fascinating thing would not be to play a game. It would just be to have an immersive experience and say, 
you know, Orchard Street in 1890. In the past. Yeah. Can can I walk through that? Holy cow. That would be incredible. That would be something that I think that the average person, you know, somebody who's like 70 years old is not going to want to play like, you know, MLB baseball game on because it's just too complicated. They don't understand that. This, um, doing something like that would be what I think would be um, incredible. What is that you're showing us? This is a a video game. It's a Civil War simulator. Um, So you can imagine... Like you throw on the headset, you load the game up, and you are a part yeah. of a regiment, <laughs> and yeah. you're going out, and you've got to reload your gun, and then and you stay have to in defend formation. slavery. Camille, yeah. I'm so surprised that I'm just you're saying on the it's like for the North. Yeah. I'm just saying <laughs> it was a video of someone else. I mean, if it's yeah, me, yeah, yeah. I'm joining it's not the your Confederacy because yeah. you appreciate yeah. states' rights. States yeah, rights, exactly. Come on now, yeah. come on now. Uh, There's no tyranny guys, I know greater that we, than the tyranny. We have to leave in. We have yeah, to leave in 60 seconds to realize yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but we've had so many requests to comment about the teacher in Arizona who uh, thinks oh. had to leave her job. Mm-hmm. Um, Camille, can you just give us a speech? To, I, mm-hmm. I just want to say, I just want to say, leave Rachel Dolezal alone. She is a mm-hmm. hero, a brave hero. A brave she changed her name, by the way. Could you identify her as she, how she wants to be identified? Oh, I, didn't, I didn't know she changed her name. What is her yeah, name? Yeah, she's like, uh, I don't know. It's, only fa- it's, OnlyFans. <laughs> yeah. Shaniqua. It's just her name is her OnlyFans <laughs> handle. Um, no, seriously. Uh, Rachel Dolezal was fired from her job um, teaching at a public school. I don't know. It was a middle school or whatever. Um, because of, it seems uh, her OnlyFans activity, which apparently did not involve any students. Um, I'm not sure she was promoting her product in the classroom. Uh, but this was enough to cost her her job. And of course, we've known that she's had an OnlyFans. I'm not sure why her new employer was unaware of this fact. They certainly They're not knew listening about to the fifth number of other things. The problem. Well, that, By that's the, way, the first I mistake. By the way, I was not, not uh, but I am, wrong. I'm de- definitely against this. I was not wrong when I made that joke. Oh, no. Because she also has these types of ideas about name changes. She changed her name <laughs> <No>. <laughs> to Nikichi Diallo. Yes. N K E C H I Diallo. Yes. yes. That's She's a hero. Amazing. She's a hero. After she was exposed for pretending that she was black, she was like, I'm going to really pretend. <laughs> I mean, should, what you would prefer that she pretends she's white. I'm saying that, that my, my I, preference, my preference is that every, everyone be permitted to pretend whatever they like with respect to yes, imaginary pr- things like race. I think the problem <laughs> is, is that when you say my parents are black and they're not yeah. right when you're lying, because you believe in race, you don't, yes. that's the yeah. difference, right? I agree. So, yeah. Anyway, yeah. we defend no, her. Free Rachel. Dolezal. Free, free Rachel. Rachel. What's her name again? Oh yeah. Uh, Whatever her new name Nick, is. Yeah. Nikichi. Yeah. Kwame and Kruma. Is her name. <laughs> <laughs> and also sign up for her OnlyFans. Support this woman. Support this yeah. woman. You know, yeah. this is brave, independent <laughs> woman. Support only takes this. bags of cash. Yeah. Yeah. You know, only uses her money, with, yeah. which she obtains from OnlyFans. But seriously, I mean, just, this who is, would you this rather have as a representative? <laughs> oh wait, I didn't know where that question was. Going. No, yeah. yeah who would you rather? <laughs> who would you rather, Rachel Dolezal or Fanny Willis? <laughs> Rachel Dolezal. <laughs> Rachel Dolezal is Both. probably changing her name to Fanny Willis right now. He's <laughs> filing the papers. She's <laughs> like, that's authentic, yeah. right there. Yeah, <laughs> Fanny Willis, who's prosecuting the the former president of the United States, um, is literally on the stand. An American hero. 
talking about how, no, no, this is all cash. No, yeah. I just have it. Where'd it come from? <laughs> I don't know. I just got it. Where did yours come from? I was like, oh, he's trying to turn it around. And a woman who's trying to make an honest living. Which one, who would you prefer to like represent you in some way? I would say Rachel in Krume or whatever her Absolutely. name is. Absolutely. Yeah. So I don't know. Fanny, Fanny will pull out all the stops, legal and illegal, mm. to get me off. Be like, I'm going to yes. go. I'm going to ride with Fanny. Yeah. She will definitely Fanny. try to get you off if you give her cash <laughs> <laughs> on the company credit card. She would definitely try to get you off. Well, yeah. She'd give me a good deal. She'd give me a good yeah. deal. And yeah. uh, Bobberting to the some, end. Some interesting jobs. <laughs> oh, man. All right. All right, we should get out of here because I gotta, yeah, I, I gotta run. Um, gotta but this run. is fun, you know. First thing yeah. in the morning, we should do this a little more often. First thing in the morning, it was fun. A little morning, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And thanks for all, all right. of your fucking complaining emails. <laughs> Grumpy we Michael. love that. Well, my favorite one. You gotta, you gotta pay to complain. That's my. If you, if you don't, I'm, you're just going to the trash. But my favorite one was uh, the one recently. Somebody said, uh, as a former subscriber, I was like, mm, delete. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, former subscriber. You think that's going to get you points? Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> Just yeah, lie. Just lie. I've never It's like, how coach. is this person on a fucking <laughs> Tinder date? Like, I, I, I mean, what do you lead with? I do uh, I, I do appreciate the former subscriber more than the, I was about to subscribe. Oh, that's my favorite. <laughs> that's the cancel my Liar. damn subscription when you don't have one thing. Yeah. Like, I canceled my New York Times. It's like, you've never subscribed to the New York Times. <laughs> because of this article, it's like, yeah, don't, don't bother. So anyway. All right. All right. Bye. 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 Bye.